Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Glasgow Times Sports Podcast, normally recorded in our studio at the Bishop Briggs Media Centre, currently recorded from our volunteers' homes. To keep in touch with us, use our social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram and Twitter, which are all at Q and Review. That's C-U-E-A-N-D-R-E-V-I-E-W. Or get in touch via information at qandreview.com. That's information at c-u-e-a-n-d-r-e-v-i-e-w.com. Please like and share our podcast and give us any constructive feedback. Evening Time Sport, July 27. Duncan Scott beams as silver medalist seals Olympic finish with PAL. Report by Mark Woods. Headphones in, swagger on. Duncan Scott waltzed onto the pool deck of Tokyo's aquatic centre with a visible spring in his step. The tiniest minutiae of every precise detail in the blueprint of his longtime coach Steve Tigg has been carried out to the letter for gargantuan moments such as these. The Olympic 200 metres freestyle final turned into a frenetic dance, a two-step building to an extraordinary crescendo. Eight became a duel in a chase for the wall, but it was his British teammate Tom Dean who shimmied to gold with the Scot a mere four hundredth of a second behind. The first one-two in the pool for the UK since the 1908 Games in London. It was the quickest the 24-year-old from Aloha has ever gone. A Scottish record lowered to 1 minute 44.22 seconds, but a British best and supremacy relinquished to Dean. Sixth at halfway, Scott swam the last 50 metres in 26.46 seconds, almost half a second faster than his flatmate in the athlete village. A valiant charge from behind, but ultimately a surge which came a fraction too late. The silver medalist confirmed, I didn't want to swim anyone else's race, because that's not the way we do it. I've done 144 in several different ways. In the semi-final, I went off quite a bit slower when I did my best time and there was only 0.1 off. I was coming in really confident. I think I could have done the second 50 a lot better, maybe built to the wall a bit better, but there's so many different strategies in that 200 metres free which makes it quite an exciting spectacle as well. It was a dogfight. It came down to the finish, and Dino swam a great race, so fair play to him. Just 21, there have been whispers about Dean's transcendent potential for years. Bath-based, his European bronze in May, one place behind Scott, was the first significant individual medal but at that point he remained on the back foot. 
Within five months around the turn of the year, he contracted COVID twice. Obviously, it's a cardiovascular disease, and we do a cardiovascular sport, he acknowledged. It was a little bit scary when I wasn't able to walk on my stairs without coughing and wheezing at the start of 2021. Here, he inhaled this golden opportunity, rewarded for his assault from the front as early pace setter Huang Sun Wu faded and the Englishman made this title his owner. He said, it's an honour. It's the stuff of dreams. I've been thinking about this since I started swimming at eight years old, and today is the day. It's amazing. Scott is a close chum. If internally the runner-up felt any deflation, it was buried beneath magnanimous praise. The best possible outcome is one, two, and we delivered on that, Aloha's finest stated. Coming out, there's plenty of things that I think I could have done better, which I'll be able to look at and go over, but I'm really happy with that. With his two prior relay silvers from Rio 2016, he could yet end this week with more swimming medals than any Briton in his history. He has a further solo shot to come in the 200 metres individual medley which begins today. A tougher gambit potentially. With that and the relays, celebrations must await. I need to get my individual medley head on and start practising my breaststroke kick, he said. His sterling colleague Kathleen Dawson rude her inability to recreate her absolute prime after attaining sixth in the women's 100 meters backstroke final when she had flown to Japan with ambitions of a medal. The 23-year-old lowered the European record to 58.08 seconds in May but clocked 58.70 in the biggest race of her career so far. Ranked fifth all-time, the Scot has the misfortune of excelling in an event whose list of talents is immensely deep. Australia's world record holder, Kayleigh McEwen, took gold in a shootout in an Olympic best of 57.47, ahead of Canada's Kylie Mass and Regan Smith of the USA. It is just a little bit gutting, confessed Dawson, who swam slower than in the previous two rounds. Why did I have to start dropping 58s when the field is so stacked now? I can't help feel proud as well, though, that I'm a part of this history. Four of the top five swimmers of all time were in that final. Only Kathleen Baker was missing. Even though I didn't put out a time that matches the fifth fastest time in history, it's a stacked event to be in. The Pfeiffer may yet land her Olympic medal on Saturday, when she is expected to join Adam Peaty 
in a potent British mixed 4x100 medley relay lineup. She said, I'm just going to look to get as big a gap between me and the next person so Adam can take over. Evening Time Sport, July 27. Paul Lambert anticipates tough Mitterland clash but tips Celtic to win. Report by Ewing Graham Celtic supporters had hoped they had reached a tipping point last season when it came to being disillusioned with the people running their club. However, in spite of a largely positive reaction to the left-field appointment of Ange Postecoglou as their new manager, the disappointments just keep on coming. Saturday's 6-2 thrashing at home from West Ham United suggested what most observers had long realised, that expensive major surgery is required, particularly across the back five, if the team is going to compete for honours this time out. It was the third home match in a week, falling on from the defeat by championship also runs Preston North End and, more importantly, the 1-1 draw with FC Mitchelland in the first leg of the Champions League second qualifying round. A defeat in Jutland tomorrow night would end any hopes of the £40 million windfall which accompanies participation in the group phase of the tournament, offsetting last year's Covid-related losses and optimism is in short supply among the Celtic support regarding their prospects in the wake of the humiliation at the weekend. By contrast, Paul Lambert, the club's former midfield general, believes that Postecoglou and his side can prevail tomorrow and change people's perception of what can be achieved during 2021-22. Said Lambert, I learned a very long time ago that you can't read too much into results in these friendlies, even if you have shipped six goals at home. These games are just fitness exercises and about helping to try new formations. The results don't really matter. When I went on trial with Borussia Dortmund in 1986, we were turned over in our first couple of bounce games, including a derby match against Schalke, but we ended the season beating Juventus in the Champions League final. I also remember that when Martin O'Neill came to Celtic in 2000, he took us to Germany and we lost 2-0 to Leipzig, who were just a little regional club at the time and not the RB Leipzig of today. They absolutely pumped us that night, but we went on to win the treble. I've also had pre-seasons when we looked good and beat everyone, but ended up without a trophy. So there's no need to panic just yet. Lambert accepts, however, that victory in the MCH arena is pretty much non-negotiable if Postecoglou is to change the mood music at Parkhead. 
he conceded. They've lost a couple of games, and it doesn't help that Rangers beat Real Madrid 2-1 on Sunday. Although when you look through that Madrid team, there were hardly any names you would recognise in it. Because it looks as though Celtic are struggling while Rangers are cruising. But beating Midtjylland would change everything for Ange. For a start, it would mean that 6-2 defeat on Saturday would be immediately forgotten and it would give him, the youngsters in the team and the new arrivals, a huge shot of confidence. It wouldn't get any easier after that, of course, because they're almost certain to play PSV Eindhoven in the third qualifying round after their 5-1 win over Galatasaray last week. But people would cut you more slack if you went out to PSV than if Mitchelland beat you. In any case, I watched the first leg and thought that Celtic were the better team. They looked good middle to front and it's well within their capabilities to get a result on Wednesday night. Yes, they lost a bad goal in the first leg that helps them because away goals no longer count double. Unfortunately, their good performance was forgotten about in the wake of the West Ham defeat, but I can't say often enough that the only results that matter are in the competitive games and the new manager will benefit massively from a win against the Danes, especially with a tough Premiership opener at Hearts on Saturday night and Rangers at Ibrox just a month away. I like how Postecoglou comes across. There's no kidology from him. He shoots from the hip and says what he thinks, and players respect managers who are straight with them. Report by Ewing Graham. Evening Time Sport, July 27. Ali Price stood to be counted in South Africa test. Report by David Barnes Cometh the hour, cometh the man. Ali Price was regarded as a bold selection call at Scrum Half for the British and Irish Lions' first test against South Africa on Saturday, but the 28-year-old delivered an authoritative performance which should have assuaged any and all concerns about the decision to start the hugely experienced Conor Murray on the bench. His smart and accurate kicking game, especially in the second half, put the Springboks under serious press and he controlled the tempo well throughout. It will be a surprise if the Scotsman does not retain the number nine jersey when the team face the second test and is named this morning, with Murray having demonstrated that he is a good man to bring on to close the game out during the final quarter. I was pretty nervous beforehand because it was the biggest game of my career and I wanted to do myself justice by putting in a performance I was proud of, he reflected yesterday. I said last week, my focus going into the game 
was trying to execute my basics well. They are the important things going into a test match and I felt my basics were pretty good on Saturday. I was delighted to be on the end of a, of a positive result as well. There is an outside chance that Price will end up combining at halfback with his old flatmate and good friend Finn Russell. Head coach Warren Gatland will be keen to retain Dan Bigger in the standoff slot if he can, but he suffered a concussion in the 67th minute of Saturday's game and won't be fit again to train fully until Thursday at the earliest less than 48 hours before the second test. There will have been a big conversation during the selection meeting about whether holding out for the Welshman will create too much uncertainty leading up to such an important match. If Bigger doesn't make it, then selecting Owen Farrell, who took over at standoff on Saturday, would be the safe option but Gatland may decide that being 1-0 up in the series affords him the opportunity to go with Russell in an effort to spark the Lions' attack, which is one key area he has identified as offering scope for improvement. Price says he felt comfortable starting with Bigger as his halfback for the first time ever, they did play 18 minutes together in the pre-tour match against Japan, but admits that he would be delighted to reprise his successful on-field relationship with Russell, which was nurtured during their time together at Glasgow Warriors and bloomed on the international stage with Scotland. Said Price, Dan's a quality player, and he knows how to play the situations as well, so that helps. We had a week's training, which is not a great amount of time. You like to have more and played a couple of games with each other. But we had a really good understanding of the game plan and how we wanted to go about it. Dan's an experienced world-class player. He went out there and did his job and we can feed off each other. It would be brilliant if Finn got a chance. A lot of people say it, but being involved in the test is the ultimate. Everybody aspires to being picked for it, and Finn will be no different. It will be a brilliant occasion for him if he is involved on Saturday, and I will be chuffed to bits for him. We can expect the Springboks to improve and put in a better performance this week, but then we have plenty of growth in us as well. There was not much attacking rugby in the game in terms of us getting into our shape and going through the phases. Sometimes games don't lend themselves to do that, but I think there is room for improvement there. In the first half, we gave them momentum, and you saw that on the scoreboard, with the way they went from 3 to 6 to 9 to 12 points, so we could do with tidying up a few things around the breakdown. The positive thing is the way we reacted. Our fitness 
and our energy throughout the 80 minutes was brilliant, and we can build on that. We back our conditioning and how we want to impose ourselves on teams. We speak about the unseen things that don't require any talent. If you look at some of the kick chase intensity, for example, we were able to build on that, which put us on the front foot and meant we were winning the 50-50 battles and drawing penalties from the South Africans to put a bit of scoreboard pressure back on them. And that got us the win in the end. Report by David Barnes. Evening Time Sport, July 27. Rangers kid Maxwell on loan with Air United. Rangers kid James Maxwell completed his loan switch to Air United and immediately set himself the target of catching Stephen Gerrard's eye. Times Sport revealed that Maxwell was on the verge of the Somerset Park switch, which was finalised this morning. There had been interest in Norway, but Rangers believed he would be best suited playing once again in Scotland's Championship following his time at Queen of the South last season. This time, Maxwell has plans to make himself known to Rangers boss Gerard. He said, I am desperate to come here and show what I can do. I've been in and around the first team at Rangers during the summer, but the aim for me at this stage is to be playing games. It's not an easy job pushing a Croatian international I've seen easier jobs in football, but obviously the main target is to challenge Borna long term. Hopefully I can come here and catch the eye. Report by Mark Hendry. Evening Times Sport, July 28. Celtic confirm number of fans to be allowed in for first home premiership fixture. Report by James Kearney. Celtic have confirmed that 24,500 supporters will be allowed into Parkhead for the team's first home premiership fixture of the new campaign against Dundee on Saturday 7th of August. Around 9,500 fans were in attendance for the first leg of the Champions League second round qualifier against Midtjylland in Glasgow's East End while 18,500 were let in for Saturday's 6-2 friendly defeat at the hands of West Ham. Following talks between the Premiership runners-up and the Safety Advisory Group, Celtic have now confirmed that the stadium will be around 40% full for the clash with James McPake's newly promoted team. Chief Executive Dominic Mackay told the club's website, I would like to thank our fans for all the fantastic support they have given us in reaching these levels. I would also like to thank all our staff for their efforts and hard work in allowing us to reach this stage, as well as the Safety Advisory Group for all their cooperation. We will be doing all we can 
to work closely with the relevant authorities and welcome our fans back in even greater numbers in the coming weeks. Report by James Kearney Evening Time Sport, July 28 Celtic youngster joins Cork City on season-long loan. Report by David Irvin Celtic youngster Barry Coffey has joined Cork City on loan. The 20-year-old has penned a temporary season-long switch to the Irish side. Cork currently sit ninth in the Irish First Division after being relegated from the League of Ireland Premier Division last term. Now Coffey, who knows boss Colin Healy, is aiming to take the club back to where it should be and gain vital first-team experience. He told the club website, I am very excited to be here. I know Colin Healy well from the Irish setup, and that played a big part in me wanting to come to Cork City. It is a massive club, and I know myself where this club belongs, so I want to play my part in trying to get the club back to where it should be. Coming here to get first team football and gain experience will help my career, and I hope I can play well and help Cork City as well while I am here. I like to get on the ball, get into attacking positions and get goals and assists, so I will give everything I can and hope I can help the team. Cork City boss Colin Healy added, I am very pleased to have Barry joining us for the rest of the season. He is a player I know well from the international setup and I believe he will add quality to our group. We have been working hard over the last few weeks to identify players that we feel can add to the lads who are already here, and I think Barry fits that bill. Report by David Irvin Evening Time Sport, July 28 Patrick Thistle sign Rangers defender on loan. Report by James Kearney. Patrick Thistle have completed the signing of Lewis Mayo on a one-year loan from Rangers. The 21-year-old centre-back has previously had a brief stint at Firhill when he joined for the second half of the 2019-20 campaign a couple of months before the season was curtailed by the coronavirus pandemic. The defender impressed in the handful of games in which he featured before returning to Ibrox and spent last season on loan at Dunfermline, where he was occasionally deployed in a defensive midfield role. Speaking to the club's website, Jag's boss Ian McCall said he was thrilled to get the deal over the line, as re-signing Mayo was his top priority when it came to defensive recruitment this window. McCall explained, Lewis was my number one target to add to the defensive ranks this summer. He is a player we have had to be patient about while he was needed at Rangers 
but he has quality that is worth waiting for. We had Lewis for a short time last year, so we know what he's like as a person already, and he should fit in well with the rest of the guys. He displayed his versatility while on loan at Dunfermline last season by playing at fullback and as a defensive midfielder, but I see him primarily featuring for us as a centre-back. We have got that core of the squad from last season in place, but we need two or three more players to really complete the squad, and Lewis brings us a step closer to that final product. I am hopeful we'll have more news about more arrivals for the squad soon. Speaking to Jagzone, the club's in-house media channel, Mayo said his two loan spells have been hugely beneficial in his development, adding that his newfound tactical versatility has given him a greater understanding of the game. He said, It was tough the way things ended when I was last here, but I am delighted to be back and I am looking forward to it. Personally, even though it was only three games, I took a lot of experience from that, and I appreciated the chance to come and play first-team football. I am looking to build on that. I take a lot of confidence from the manager's comments. In my previous spell here, I settled in really quickly so I know that I'll settle in fine and I'm looking forward to the football starting. Again, I took a lot of experience from the loan at Dunfermline. I played a lot of football, got a lot of minutes and played a few different positions which can be invaluable for a young player in terms of learning the game and learning different roles. Hopefully, I can use that experience to help myself here this season. I think playing in different positions helps you communicate with the players around you. I still see myself as a defender long term, but I take confidence from that as well, understanding the different demands of each role in the game. With Darren Brownlee out for the remainder of the year with a cruciate injury, Mayo could be pitched in to the Jags starting lineup for Saturday's championship curtain raiser against Queen of the South. Stephen Bell, Ch Karen McKenna and Mohamed Sena Niang are the other candidates vying for a starting berth in central defence, while Tamil Weir's time at Firhill appears to be drawing to a close. Mayo is McCall's eighth signing this window. Scott Tiffany, Ross McIver and Stephen Bell, who joined on loan last season and played crucial roles as Thistle sealed the League One title, have signed permanent contracts in Glasgow's West End, while Hearts goalkeeper Harry Stone has joined on a season-long loan. Kyle Turner was signed on a free transfer after being released by Dunfermline. Left-back Kevin Holt was brought in from Cypriot side 
Hermes Ari Dipu, while Cammy Smith, the former Air United and Dundee United attacking midfielder, has returned from his stateside sojourn to sign for the Jags. Report by James Kearney. Evening Time Sport, July 28. Rangers confirm number of fans allowed inside Ibrox for league opener. Report by David Irvin. Rangers have confirmed 23,000 fans will be granted admission to their Premiership opener against Livingston. The club announced their ticket allocation for the league match has been increased from an expected 17,000. Season ticket holders will be entered into a ballot for the chance to head to the match. Those who are not drawn to attend will be able to watch the match through Rangers TV. The club also revealed they are hopeful of a capacity Ibrox crowd for their second leg of the Champions League third qualifying round match on August 10. A statement on the club website read, All season ticket holders will be entered into a straight ballot for the available 23,000 tickets. Supporters who are successful in the ballot will receive an email and have until Thursday 10am to select a seat. A second ballot will take place for any remaining tickets with a deadline of Friday 10am to select a seat. Any supporters who are unsuccessful will receive a virtual match pass for the game with live Rangers TV coverage. We appreciate your ongoing patience and support as we continue to lobby for a return to a full capacity at Ibrox Stadium. In line with current government guidelines, we expect to have a full capacity at Ibrox for our second leg match in the UEFA Champions League on August 10. Report by David Irvin. Evening Times Sport, July 29. Crowd or no crowd, Sarah Adlington zones in on Tokyo 2020 Maiden Olympic Challenge. Report by Mark Woods. It's coming home and 126 million Japanese could not wait. To delight in a sport that was birthed in their homeland but gifted to the world. Judo to be showcased to billions at the storied venue of Tokyo's Budokan, where they still talk of the sweat and the toil and those who earned medals at the Olympics of 1964. Now with empty crowds and passion confined to living rooms up and down this land. A great shame, says Sarah Adlington. Their crowds are all in. It's one place you really want to go. The 34-year-old from Edinburgh will begin her maiden Olympic excursions when the heavyweight 78 kilogram competition commences tonight. She is one of the few foreigners who have felt their ears bleed from an audience throwing every scream in her cause. 
not perhaps with acute insights into Ippons and Waziaris, but when she struck Commonwealth gold at the SECC in Glasgow in 2014, it was as close it came tonight out in Ginza, almost. She recounts, Glasgow was amazing, but generally, when you're on that mat with a crowd in the venue in Tokyo, with the knowledge they have of the sport, that feels amazing. But when you step on that mat, crowd or no crowd, home crowd or not home crowd, it's just you and that other person. It's a fight and they're trying to beat you and you want to beat them. A welcome measure of contrasts away from the hustle of chasing ranking points and the bustle of championships and grand slams comes back at the club in Edinburgh where she trains but also coaches kids. It was here that Sally Conway, her close friend, sparred relentlessly and drove herself ferociously towards Olympic bronze in Rio four years ago. Scottish Judo's elite training centre is on the outskirts of the capital, within a solid kick of the reappearing Meadowbank Stadium, Adlington's training pitch keeps her grounded when she returns from a high. She says, if I go away and do well and come back, people are happy. If you go away and you've not done so well, people always treat you the same. People within the judo club are interested in me as a person. They are happy if things go well, but it doesn't change how people perceive you. As an athlete, sometimes you think that you have to get results to be perceived in a certain way. The club, for me, is a place where they accept me for who I am. After the announcement of selection, people were delighted but I'm not getting treated any differently. Adlington, who was granted a late entry through Judo's continental ranks, will begin unseeded in Tokyo in the round of 32. Her first foe is Tunisia's Nihel Cheke Ruhu, a quarter-finalist in 2016, who is appearing at her fourth games. Get through that, and even bigger fish must be fried throughout tomorrow to secure a medal. Yet why not bring it home, she asks. During my career, I got fifth at the World Championships with really close matches on golden scoring. I'd beaten world number ones and current Olympic champions. So I'm not going to go in knowing I'm not capable of beating the top girls in the category she says. Report by Mark Woods. Evening Time Sport, July 29. Chris Sutton rips into Celtic boat. Report by Mark Hendry. Chris Sutton has torn into the Celtic boat and claims Ange Postecoglou has been dealt the worst hand of any hoops boss in 20 years. The retired striker has not been shy in criticising the board in recent times and he once again let rip for the club's failure to get business done earlier this summer. 
It comes after Celtic crashed out of the Champions League qualifiers at the first hurdle in a dire 3-2 aggregate defeat to Mitchelland last night. Sutton has absolved Postecoglou for the disaster and criticised the hierarchy for not investing in new players soon enough. The Hoops knew they faced an overhaul in playing staff ahead of the new season, but Sutton believes they have failed their new manager. No surprise Celtic going out, the Englishman tweeted. Ange Postecoglou has been dealt the worst hand of any Celtic manager in the last 20 years. The powers that be should be ashamed of dealing him this hand. Years of acting too slow and bringing in players too late, but this season is something else. Report by Mark Hendry Evening Time Sport, July 29 Tokyo Olympics pressure does not bother relaxed Scott Gemma Riki. Report by Mark Woods I am very well known for just running and not thinking about it much, Gemma Riki confesses with admirable honesty. Splits and stopwatches, not the oats for her porridge. The 23-year-old, the athletics geek who has turned her fascination into a still unfolding career, simply lives to run. Past master of the 800 metres, Jenny Meadows, has gone so far as to claim the Olympic medal pretender's gift is an ability to disengage brain. An odd but justifiable analysis, the Scot laughs. Most of the British team call me a sloth because I'm so relaxed. I think that's what she meant and a lot of the team know what I'm like. I think she meant it as a compliment. I am quite a sloth. She giggles anxiously for a moment. Just don't put a picture of me next to a sloth. Certainly not a snail. Stuarton's superstar in the making is a serial winner with a habit of coming good when it counts. Not on her bow at the World Championships two years ago in Doha when she exited in the first round, but she has found ways to excel at each step prior. Weekends in her childhood, lapping up winter cross-country like others devour ice cream and iron brew, Ricky flourished further when she transplanted herself to Glasgow and hooked up with the training group of her coach Andy Young. Laura Muir was the beacon, but Ricky speedily illuminated herself. Certainly within a couple of years, she was showing an awful lot of the promise and potential, says Muir, whose withdrawal from the 800 metres to focus exclusively on the 1500 metres appears to have both positive and negative consequences for her colleague, who will be among the first Britons in action when the athletics competition belatedly commences in Tokyo tonight. Big and little sister of the adoptive kind, 
Reiki has advanced most speedily for the wisdom inherited close to home. She says, I have learned so much from Laura and I know I have her support and can ask her questions. Young has kept her on an invisible leash to ensure the lassie who took European golds at under 20 and under 23 level did not ignite early, but then flame out. The best advice she has received was to deny her instincts and be patient whatever may. Just trust the process, she relates. It's an easy one to say, but you just have to trust what you're doing. You always have hard times in athletics, but you just trust the process and it always works out. It makes sense. British traditions in the 800 metres date gloriously back to the game's previous stop here in Tokyo. Anne Packer pitched up in Japan with only a handful of previous outings over this distance but, to her shock, departed with gold. Gemma Riki's extraordinary, isn't she? The past champion, now 79 years young, declares. So is Laura Muir. Yeah, so I do look out for them. As does Kelly Holmes, golden at Athens 2004, and whose online clips Ricky has studied to death. She reveals, I have definitely chatted to her over the past year, and when I came into the senior rankings and ran fast, it's been really nice to have her support. Ricky will have stern competition. Save for the American teen, Aething Wu, who leads the 2021 rankings, but who has been largely squirreled away. She has confronted most of her challengers and let them cower. Perhaps the foe who she should most fear is the closest to home. Keely Hodgkinson, just 19, but already a European indoor champion, denied that both Young's Tyros victory at the British trials with a seasoned and speedy showing that bodes immensely well. A rematch, come Tuesday's final, would be an appetising watch. I definitely think in the short term and long term, the battles Gemma are going to have are really going to push each other on and the sport on, Wigan's young warrior insists. It's just going to be a case of someone does something and someone else does that thing. Alex Bell, subbed in for Muir, will plan to progress too. All the British girls should be aiming to reach the podium, Alex, Keeley and myself. Ricky proclaims, we are all up there and we could all do it. Not a time to think but just run. It is, she adds, about who can do it on the day. Report by Mark Woods. You're listening to the Glasgow Times, a and review recording service podcast brought to you by our team of volunteers currently from their homes across the UK. Whether you're listening via the British Wireless for the Blind Fund online players, their telephone app, or our brand new Alexa skill, 
please phone us on 0141 772 to feed back on what you want us to provide and improve upon. Remember also to follow our social media on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter at C-U-E-A-N-D-R-E-V-I-E-W. Evening Time Sport, July 30. Former City of Glasgow student going for gold in track event at the Olympics. Report by Heather Carrick. A former City of Glasgow College student is said to compete for a gold medal in the 800 metres event in Tokyo. Gemma Riki, who graduated from the college with an HNC in sports coaching in 2016, is representing Team GB in the track event. The Olympics dream is one that Gemma has dreamt of reaching from a young age. She said, I never really enjoyed school as I was always focused more on running. During class, I was always thinking how I could fit homework around training. My parents encouraged me to explore other options, so I started to look at college, and City of Glasgow College seemed the perfect stepping stone for me. Studying at the college was a really good experience, as it pushed me out of my comfort zone. I was able to learn things I didn't know about sport, like psychology and nutrition. No matter what I studied, I always took it as a learning opportunity to develop my skills and improve my training. The lecturers all took an interest in me and my running, and I could relate to them all, as I had a passion for sport, and so did they and I got access to the gym pretty much whenever I needed it. I can honestly say my time at college was the best, and so much fun. Gemma, already an accomplished runner, has previously represented Scottish University and College Association Championships, as well as carrying the Olympic torch during the London 2021 event. The impressive athlete also became the first British runner to win gold in the 800 and 1500 metres at the 2019 European Under-23 Championships. Gemma, who is hoping to make it through the round of heat to reach the podium in Tokyo, said, Qualifying for the Olympics has been my ambition. I want to enjoy it. Have a great experience and learn how to manage that environment. My main goal is to be on the podium. I can't hide the fact. Anything can happen, but I know what I am capable of, and I would love a podium finish. Report by Heather Carrick. Evening Time Sport, July 30. Philip Hillander's competition for places message as Stephen Gerrard's side prepare for title defence. Report by Christopher Jack. Philippe Helander is confident the competition within the Rangers squad will drive the champions on to further success this season. The Swede was an integral part of Stephen Gerrard's squad last term 
as Rangers completed an unbeaten league campaign and clinched the Premiership title in emphatic fashion. A remarkable clean sheet record that saw Gerrard's side concede just 13 league goals was the foundation for that success as Rangers also impressed in the Europa League once again. Now Helander is determined to strive for further improvement ahead of the first Premiership match of the new campaign at home to Livingston tomorrow. Helander said, Of course the new players have come in and they are here to help us improve the team. I am sure they will. We are all happy to have them here. I try not to set too many personal goals, but I would say it's just about trying to win the league again, and then we'll have to perform better in the two cups, and hopefully get some European success as well. That's mainly my focus. As an individual, you want to play as much as possible. That would be good if we could replicate the clean sheet record. That's something we take a lot of pride in, trying to keep clean sheets every week. It's all about when everyone is working for each other and we have a good defensive structure. From starting with the strikers, and that is something we can't be relaxed about, we have to go out and do it again, and even try to improve certain areas. If you don't want competition, you can go and play for an inferior club. We all want to be here, and we all want to play. You have to be ready to compete, and that's what all the players here enjoy. When it comes to the games, everyone wants to play, and that's how it's supposed to be. Report by Chris Jack, Evening Time Sport, July 30. Neil Lennon says that Celtic were not ready for the Champions League, but Postecoglou will come good in time. Report by David Irwin. Celtic were not ready to compete for a spot in the Champions League, claims Neil Lennon. The former Hoops boss reckons Ange Postecoglou's side have not had the chance to gel as a squad and it could take another month. But Lennon, who resigned as manager in February, has pleaded with fans to give the new boss time to put his stamp on the club. Quizzed on his former club's Champions League exit, Lennon insisted the team were not ready, as he outlined a need for new players. Lennon told BBC Five Live, I just do not think they're ready. Looking at the back four, they were very young in terms of the players that they had at their disposal. I think Ange just needs time. I don't think you can judge him until the end of the transfer window. And hopefully, there will be new players in that he would like in the positions that he wants. It took him a bit of time to get over because of COVID and isolation, then it takes time for him to put his own stamp on things. They have spent money on players. One is already in the building and scored last week, which is a huge bonus. There is a myriad of reasons, 
as to why things have panned out the way they have so far. But it's just way too early in the season to be making any rash statements of rash judgments. It will take another four or five weeks before that squad is settled and ready for the campaign ahead. Lennon is no stranger to the demands as Celtic boss, having served in the role on two occasions, but he has called for early expectations to be eased. He added, I think sometimes to hit the ground running can sometimes be an unrealistic expectation. The guy needs a bit of support and I think he'll come good. And I think over the next three or four weeks, there will be business done that will improve the squad because it definitely needs improving. There is no question. We all know that. Report by David Irvin. Evening Time Sport, July 30. Elish McCaughan, from career-ending injury fears, then a broken foot, to a third successive Olympics. A survivor of breaks, bumps and batterings, Elish McCaughan would have settled merely for the nirvana of a single Olympic appearance at London 2012. The Dundonian was a steeplechaser then, like her father Peter. The hurdles, the splashes into the water, her youthful fragile frame did not readily cope. Screw and bolts held her together as those games approached. Career over, her surgeon said. A hobby jogger, his words, at best. A contrarian to such medical absolutes, she ploughed on. Stubbornness that came in handy again when a broken foot sidelined her for almost a year prior to rebounding to make Rio 2016. Whatever it takes, and nothing less. It's really difficult to try and explain it to people, she says, when they ask, how do you go for a run when it's raining outside? How did you find the motivation and the drive to do it? And it's a really difficult question to answer, because I don't know where that sort of blind faith to keep going comes from. Because I didn't know if I'd make either Olympics, but I was just determined to get back running and to prove them wrong. Three times an Olympian, officially, when she tests herself in Tokyo in the heats of the 5,000 metres today. Third time just as charming, especially when she arrives fresh from wrestling the British record away from Paula Radcliffe 28 days ago in Oslo. For some competitors here, the games can unthinkingly feel all business, a diamond league with extra sparkle. This is the first day of track and field competition, but the absence of spectators within a 68,000 capacity stadium will give it no greater natural ambience than a Scottish school's in Grangemouth. The piped-in noise brought in from Australia will hardly fill the void. However, just to be in this company means so much 
McCogan underlines. Amid all the restrictions and protocols and the fun factors sucked out by a vacuum, when she pauses for thought for a second, the European medalist twice over can appreciate how far she can come. She said, as an athlete, you're always thinking of the next thing, the next race, the next event. You've got the Olympics, and then next year you're looking at the Commonwealths and the Worlds and the Europeans. So you never really get a chance to properly reflect, I suppose, on what you've done over the last nine or ten years. And it's only when someone mentions it's my third games that I think, yes, I'm actually really, really proud of that. Because I may not have any global medals to my name or anything like that, but I'm actually really proud to have consistently made the team. You see people make one and then they don't make another. That's when I started to realise actually it's not easy to make three teams, to be consistently coming back from an injury or an illness or whatever and still manage to make it three in a row. It's something that I'll always be proud of. The 5,000 was due to be her secondary gambit here. The 10,000 metres next week for performance and sentimental reasons. The main target, 30 years after her mother Liz claimed the world title at the longer distance in this same city. A taxing twin assault, weeks of training in the heat and at altitude in southern France have left her chilled about the challenge. She said, there are four days between making the final of the 5,000 and the 10,000, so I think it is enough time to recover and to bounce back, and it's going to be tough, no matter what. It's going to be very, very tough. Mark Scott shoulders British hopes in the men's 10,000 metres final, while Scottish duo Zoe Clark and Nicole Yergin are both on call for tonight's semis of the mixed 4x400 relay, reports Mark Woods. Evening Time Sport, July 30th. Scotland add fourth test to autumn schedule, report by David Barnes. Scotland have added a fourth test to their autumn schedule with Tonga now set to take on Gregor Townsend's side at Murrayfield on Saturday 30th of October. The fixture will lead into Scotland's three previously arranged games inside World Rugby's international window against Australia, South Africa and Japan on consecutive Saturdays in November. Yesterday's press release highlighted the value of Scotland getting an extra game under their belts in the lead-up to the 2023 World Cup. However, the need to increase ticket revenues after 16 months of limited or no crowds is also a pressing matter. The release said, Ticket offers for the Tonga match, which is expected to be played with an afternoon kick-off, are being developed to help make the game accessible to everyone 
and also will be distributed in support of good causes. Report by David Barnes Evening Time Sport July 30 Rugby Super 6 in Broadcasting Boost as BBC to show all 10 Friday night rugby matches. Report by David Barnes The return of Super 6 has been boosted by news yesterday that all 10 Friday night matches of the 2021 season will be shown live on the BBC Sport website and iPlayer, starting with tonight's campaign curtain raiser between Borough Muir Bears and Heriots at Megatland. The part-time professional league, which was launched in November 2019, to bridge the gap between club and elite rugby in Scotland, did not manage to complete its first season before Covid sent it into cold storage in March 2020. Now, at long last, it is back, with tonight's Edinburgh Derby the first of three clashes to be played over the weekend. Both sides contain a nucleus of familiar faces, from that inaugural campaign with a sprinkling of new recruits. The Bears have former Scotland and Edinburgh fullback Tom Brown lining up in the number 15 jersey. The 31-year-old is in the process of completing the qualifications for his post-pro rugby career as a pilot. I don't want Tom to do anything other than come along and be himself, because he's got nothing to prove to anybody, said Bears head coach Graham Shield. He's just a really genuine individual who has fitted into the squad really well. When he imparts knowledge, the other players receive it really well, so it is great to have someone of Tom's stature coming in to do that. The hosts are also boosted by the recruitment of former Scotland Sevens scrum half Callum Barreto and the return of powerhouse number 8 Rory Drummond, who are both in the starting 15 this evening. Meanwhile, Heriots have another ex-Edinburgh pro in Cami Fenton at Hooker, while Scotland Sevens and former Jed Wing Callum Young will add some bite out wide. Heriot's head coach Andy Kelly said, The guys are tense. They've had us barking at them for long enough and telling them about COVID restrictions for long enough. So now they are just wired and ready to play. You can feel that energy. Report by David Barnes Evening Time Sport, August 2 Rangers, five talking points as Gerrard's side get title defence off to a winning start. Report by Christopher Jack The road to 56 started at Ibrox on Saturday. Once again, Rangers did not stumble as Stephen Gerrard's side got their Premiership title defence off to a comfortable start. A 3-0 win over Livingston was about as much as Gerrard could have asked for, 
and goals for Rianus Haggy, Scott Wright and Kamar Roof ensured the champions picked up where they left off with three points and a clean sheet. The attention now turns to Europe for Gerard and his players and the trip to Malmo tomorrow night will shape their Champions League ambitions. Here are five talking points ahead of the third qualifying round clash. Gerard called it right post-match. When Hagi fired Rangers ahead inside eight minutes, the Romanian finishing with a class and composure at the back post, it looked like it would be a long afternoon for Livingston. Rangers would fail to capitalise on their bright start, however, and it took until Wright scored 12 minutes from time for the points to be secured. David Martindale, the Livingston manager, felt the third from Roof added a shine to the scoreline that Rangers did not really deserve. That point can be debated. What can't be argued though, is that the champions were uncharacteristically flat for a large period. It wasn't a major issue that would overly irk Gerard, but he was right to point it out and the drop-off would frustrate staff and supporters alike. It just didn't quite click as expected for Rangers at times in the final third. But that speaks to the standards that have been set. There is clearly more to come from the Ibrox attack. Squad depth clear to see. Managers will only be able to make three substitutions this season rather than the five that they had available last term. And that is going to lead to some difficult decisions for Gerard. Wright, Roof and John Lundstrom came off the bench on Saturday, but there was no action for the likes of Nathan Patterson or Cedric Itton, Alan McGregor, Philip Highlander, Borna Barisic and Scott Arfield were rested, while Ryan Jack had yet to return from injury and Alfredo Morelos was in quarantine. If Gerard had fielded an 11 made up of players that weren't stripped against Livingston, that side would still have been more than capable of going out and getting the job done just as comfortably. Picking a team is hard enough right now for Gerard. Selecting a squad and those who get off the bench isn't exactly easy either. Wright continues to catch the eye. The chance to impress may not have arrived how he would have wanted it to after the injury to Haggy, but the former Aberdeen forward certainly made the most of it when given the opportunity. Wright had seen Haggy start impressively and open the scoring, but he would get his name on the score sheet at the end of another bright showing that saw him stake a claim for a start in the Champions League. The finish with the outside of his boot was a touch of class from Wright and he needs to add more to his game in terms of goals and assists if he is to be a regular feature this term. Given the way he has come on in his first few months at Ibrox, the 23-year-old is clearly capable of doing just that.
an understated January signing. He could be a main man in his first full campaign at Ibrox. Rangers already showing their superiority. It would be silly to suggest that the Premiership title race is going to be of the one-horse variety this season, after just one round of fixtures. Celtic are already playing catch-up on the park and in the standings though, and there is a reason why Rangers are such heavy favourites to retain their title. These opening weeks of the campaign do offer Gerrard's side an opportunity to build some momentum and establish themselves, and Rangers must take advantage while their old firm rivals are in a state of flux. The Ibrox squad is the strongest in Scotland, by some considerable distance at present, and the main questions over Rangers right now concern their mentality and their drive. Given how relentless they were last term, supporters should have no fears over either factor, and this ruthless side will not let their standards drop this term. That is ominous for the rest of the Premiership, and Celtic in particular. Champions have to step it up for Malmo. The result was the most important factor for Rangers on Saturday, but there were positives to be taken from aspects of the performance as Gerrard's side eased to victory. He will demand more next time out though. The manner in which Rangers handled the switch between their title charge and their European endeavours last term was hugely impressive, and that must be the case this time around as well. A return to the Champions League is a moment to savour for everyone associated with Rangers, and Gerard and his players will be eager to make the most of the opportunity that is a reward for their sterling efforts as 55 was won. The group stages are not out with Rangers' reach in the coming weeks. As always, the focus will be on one game at a time as Gerrard's side look to bring a positive result back to Glasgow on Tuesday evening, says Chris Jack. Evening Time Sport, August 2. The Old Firm in Various European Draws. Rangers will play either Olympiakos or Ludogorets in the Champions League if they can knock Malmo out in the third round of qualifiers. Stephen Gerrard's men have a somewhat tough route into the group stages, but they will feel quietly confident with the draw. Ties will be played August 17th and 18th and August 24th or 25th. Rangers could have faced difficult ties against the likes of FC Salzburg and they also dodged another powder keg clash against Slavia Prague who were drawn away to Cluj or Young Boys should they win their third round qualifier against Ferencvaros. Meanwhile Celtic were also looking towards Europe in the playoff draw. They will play AZ Altmar in the Europa League playoff qualifying round 
If they can beat Jablonek over two legs, the Hoops have to make it through against the Czech outfit if they are to stand a chance of making it to the group stages of the tournament. Ange Postecoglou's men were beaten by FC Mitchelland at the first hurdle of Champions League qualifiers on aggregate and will be desperate to have European football of some sort to look forward to this season. But they arguably could have had an easier route, having been drawn against a club from Pot 1 of the draw, while they sat in Pot 4 alongside Rapid Vienna, Anorthosis, Famagusta, Galatasaray and St Johnston. Meanwhile, Callum Davidson's St Johnston outfit also learned that they will face Randers in their playoff qualifier. Games will be played August 19 and 26. Evening Time Sport, August 2. Rangers Flag Day celebrations could be moved to Old Firm Clash with Celtic. Report by Ewing Graham. Rangers began their Premiership campaign at home to Livingston, but the league flag, the first to arrive at Ibrox in 10 years, remains unfurled. With only 23,000 fans granted entry to the stadium due to pandemic-related health and safety reasons, the champions elected to wait until they had a capacity crowd for the occasion. Their original intention was to hold the ceremony before the match against Motherwell on September 18, but that could be brought forward if First Minister Nicola Sturgeon includes football in her list of areas where restrictions will be lifted in an announcement at Holyrood. She has publicly stated that she hopes to return to almost complete normality on August 9 although that may depend on the success of the vaccination rollout by that time. Should she agree to allow clubs to return to pre-Covid attendance levels, then Rangers could bring their flag day forward, and their next Premiership fixture at home is against City rivals Celtic on August 29. Rangers fans would love to celebrate their title win that day, and there's nothing in the SPFL's rules which would prevent them from doing so, although such a move would be unprecedented. In recent seasons, Rangers have restricted Celtic to 800 fans at Ibrox for old firm clashes, with Celtic reciprocating for matches at Parkhead. It's possible, though, there might not be any Hoops fans present at all, if Rangers do decide to get out the flagpole on August 29. At present, due to the current restrictions, some clubs only allow home supporters to attend matches. Others, without huge season ticket sales, welcome travelling spectators. Motherwell have offered Hibs 2,000 tickets for today for the match at Fir Park yesterday. Rangers, with over 45,000 season ticket holders, may decide to adopt a home fans only policy for the derby. Should Rangers choose to exclude away supporters, 
the SPFL board may be called upon to make a ruling either way should Celtic contest that decision. SPFL Rule 127 states, The home club must make provision for the admission of such reasonable number of visiting supporters at every home league match and playoff match as may be agreed in advance with the visiting club and, in the event of their being unable to agree such number not later than 14 days prior to the date of the league match or playoff match in question, the number of visiting supporters allowed shall be determined by the board whose decision shall be final and binding. Report by Ewing Graham. Hi, I'm Ian and I'm a reader for Q and Review Print Speaking to the Blind. I enjoy recording newspaper articles for the benefit of our blind and reading impaired listeners because I enjoy reading and then feel I'm contributing towards their quality of life. I also enjoy the camaraderie of working with the Q and Review team who are very, both very professional and approachable. So, if like Ian you'd love to encourage friends to listen, visit qandreview.com forward slash free podcasts for the online ways they can tune in. Or call us on 0141 772 3976 to be guided through. Remember to follow our Instagram, Facebook and especially Twitter at qandreview. And that was this week's Glasgow Times Sport podcast, normally recorded in our studio at the Bishop Briggs Media Centre, currently recorded from our volunteers' homes with the publisher's kind permission. Thanks for listening.